I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second and i i just want to go back to this analogy that you made because i'm i'm of the boat because i'm sitting here thinking about how it's oftentimes difficult to describe what a covert narcissist is like what's the difference between yeah. a malignant narcissist or just a narcissist and a covert narcissist and i think your boat analogy is perfect because the covert narcissist nine times out of ten is always going to be in the back of your boat riding your coat tails drilling holes <laughs> drilling holes back there but but they still want to be in the boat with you you know they still want to be near yeah. you the malignant narcissist is either going to be at the bow at the front telling you where to go or they're or they're going to be at the steering wheel and you're you're not going to have any control over anything so and i they're think going like, to take a bomb and blow the boat in half and the half something. that they blow up is the boat there's the part that you're sitting in and then they're exactly. going to laugh about it exactly exactly <laughs> so, yeah, so i i like this analogy that you made because i think it's it's i'm it's so much easier to see with a malignant narcissist these coverts can just um really move in. And I read a great article written by Shahida Arabi, one of our guests that we've had on the show and talking about what what is the one thing that you will always be able to notice when you're dealing with a covert narcissist. And the answer mm -hmm. to that is contempt. So if oh. you know someone in your life that is contemptuous about everything, you know, they're envious so of give other examples. people give, give all like the time. Real example. Okay, like, say someone that is maybe a doctor okay they've got a successful life they have a happy life but yet they're contemptuous and jealous of you know someone that may a be able to they might be able to have do surgery on a heart but they may be envious of someone that knows how to work a saw and they can't like they can't just be happy and what they have and their skill set and be happy oh. for the other person. They're just contemptuous about everything, about how they make pancakes or <laughs> versus how you make pancakes or, you know, how what kind of car this person has and, and they don't have. It's just someone that generally has a lot. But anything anyone else has, they're contemptuous of. Now, that doesn't always mean a material item. It can be, you know, a personality trait. It can be 
um, the ability to go to the country club. It can be the ability to sing. Like this would be someone that would go to church and not even be able to enjoy a beautiful worship music at church because they're contemptuous because they can't sing. That this oh, is, gosh. you know, so that is, they're just contemptuous about everything. And, and it shows, it, it shows on their face. They may be able to make you laugh. Uh, but I tell you, if you have friends that make you laugh, sometimes those friends are really great to have. And I definitely have those friends and I love them. But sometimes mm-hmm. a covert narcissist, I feel like, will, will try to control you with their humor. Oh my God, dude, I have, they will try to control (laughs) you. Yes. They will try to control you with their humor. And I'm sure that rings a bell to some of our listeners. So yeah, it sounds like you've experienced that Kristen. Tell, do tell. Well, you've seen me. Yeah. (laughs) People where you're like, okay, Kristen, like it's (laughs) not, it's only funny to the two of you, no one else. So uh, what, what is going on? I mean, they will use humor to, take you over. It's a diversion tactic. It's a way to keep you occupied while they are drilling holes in your boat. Okay. So um, that caustic, you know, some of them can be damn funny. I mean, I, that's a, that's actually um, something I watch. It's not that I don't love to laugh. Clearly I do. I literally am someone who I go to sleep when I sleep at night. Um, there are many, many times a month where I wake myself up from laughing in my dreams. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's just me. I love it. It's, I just have a big laugh and I love it. However, every single time that I have hung out with someone who makes me laugh to the point that I can't breathe. Um, and that every time I'm with them, I'm laughing hysterically. That is someone who has ended up being a covert narcissist. <laughs> well, think about what that does. Think about that. The the laughing, the making you laugh, number one, gives them control and power. And yes. number two, they're lacking. They're lacking of certain things, of emotions. And and we've talked about this. We've, we'll talk about this maybe on a different show. But w- there's research that talks about depression and intelligence. So mm-hmm. some, someone that makes you laugh all the time, they don't have to sit in the space of not having real feelings. So if there's a mm-hmm. deficit in them of some sort and they can just keep you laughing, then they never have to be uncomfortable. They're always in control of the conversation. Like it's almost like they like to be able it's it's a game to them. They like to be able and then they they're really offended when people don't find them funny. They, they're really offended. Yeah. When people don't find it funny. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, comedians are covert narcissists, but if you talk to like really successful comedians, let's say, let's look at like Ellen DeGeneres as an example. She's a comedian, whether you like her or not, she's a positive comedian. She does not do her comedy based on making fun of other people. It's she makes fun of human behavior and she includes herself. In that yes. human, isn't it funny how yeah. when you're at the movies and people are talking, and instead of just turning around and saying "stop talking," you do the the look. You know, she did a whole skit on oh that, and it was That's hilarious. Great. But she wasn't putting anyone down, and she has said, "You know, when I'm at home, I'm not making people laugh all the time. Like I can be very solemn, I very quiet. You know, I'm not 
on stage all the time. And I think that that's being able to be funny is certainly a skill. It takes a lot of work. And when you truly are a comedian, you can't be funny all the time because it's so much energy. It's so much, it takes so much energy to be on like that all the time. And because narcissists are so lazy, they don't have that kind of energy to turn it into an art form, a skill, a, you know, um, <laughs> something that they command. Yeah. They're using it out of la laziness. And also, like you said, they're using it to manage your emotions and to stay away from their own. Their lack thereof. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying every person that's funny or a really fun friend to be around is a covert narcissist. That's not what I'm saying no, at all. Not at all. It's just We're another tactic. Right. It's just another yeah. tactic. You know, like gaslighting is a tactic. The the humor piece is a tactic. And and I'm if you've read anything about narcissism, you will often read that they will say something and then say they were just joking, but in reality they weren't. They'll say something funny right. and make fun of you that they know was like a trigger point for you. And then they'll just be like, oh, I was just kidding. Jeez. But in reality, they weren't kidding. They weren't kidding at all. Yeah. And so those, those, uh, you know, can be very difficult. And, and oftentimes covert narcissists come off as the sweetest people. They come oh off as gosh. real sweet. Saint, you know? they're, they're positioning themselves to earn sainthood before they yeah. die. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there, you know, there works in maybe the idea of uh, empathy is two sides of the, you the know, same you know, coin. <laughs> I almost said exactly. I just made up a word. Um, exactly. So the, here's another thing that I've noticed, that lack of empathy and, and you feeling like you're beating your head against a wall over common atrocities and, uh, you know, common things that people do that are... Um, really rude and they will this is another one that I've noticed they will stick up for the person who's being extremely rude hateful whatever and you're sitting there like are you kidding I've seen that happen you know you and I both have had to deal with that where we're you know we figure out someone to be behaves like a diva or a don and it's so obvious to everyone Multiple other people are jumping in and saying, this is not okay behavior. Multiple people are triggered, really nice people. And that one person <laughs> that is a covert narcissist is going to be the one that argues a lot of the time in favor of the one who is being rude. And you know why? Because the covert narcissist sees the bully as having the power. Well, that and, and, and they want to be aligned with that that and they're extremely weak themselves they're exactly. such weak people and that's why they can't stand in the goodness think 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 about the situation you're talking about because i know exactly what you're talking about and think think about how how difficult it was to stand in the goodness versus right. just jump on the bandwagon um i mean those are your flying monkeys of the world right there uh, a lot of times so i you know i don't understand you know, wanting that type of power or needing that type of power, just someone weak jumping on a narcissist, you know, bandwagon is really just disturbing behavior. Yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes it can be, yeah. it can be, 
you know, you, I mean, good Lord, I have, you know, in, in, in years ago when I first was talking about this on my show, was I a flying monkey for, you know, a couple narcissists? Absolutely. Good Lord. Absolutely. I was, I believed the pity story. I wanted to stand up for them and champion them and blah, 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 blah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Um, I was a great flying monkey for my mother, (laughs) but I have learned that, you know, there's that there's doing it uh, out of this. And I'm not saying it's better. Believe me, I'm not proud of, you know, those things, but you live and you learn. I don't do that anymore, but it's, it actually helped me look at the other side of it and go, okay, okay. So if I'm this justice, this person that strives for justice, which I try to be anyway, and I'm, you know, it's my job as a CEO, um, let's say, of this company. If I see bullying-type behavior, as an example, going on um, in, a, in any given situation, it's my responsibility to go, you know what, to stand in the uncomfortable space of, quote-unquote, goodness and say, this is not okay. And when I do that and somebody doesn't stand there with me, I call that into question, especially if it's someone that I've done a lot of favors for, I've championed, I've, that's a red flag for me. I sit back and go, huh, okay, they're agreeing with the person who is clearly bullying and no one else is on, the, is on board with them, they're, but they're agreeing. That's a good indicator for me that there's either trauma that this person hasn't dealt with or they're a covert narcissist and they can't see um, that that, what that person is doing or they don't want to see because they're doing that themselves. They're just doing it under the radar. Yes. And that, that's another thing, you know, with a covert narcissist is, is under the radar. And I, I just want to point out, since we're talking about, you know, managing our emotions and I guess understanding ourselves better as empaths. And hopefully that's something right. that empowered empaths helps people do is I think it's so important, no matter what your temperament is or your personality, that you educate yourself about yourself. That's why I love yeah. personality inventories. I mean, a personality inventory or Myers-Briggs or doing an Enneagram or something, it's not going to, you know, give you every nuance of your every single trait and personality. It, it doesn't say anything about your soul, but it says it really does say something about your your temperament and how you tick. And generally, they're they're pretty accurate. So I think the more you, you learn about yourself, the the better off you are and understanding and learning about these situations. But as an empath, say an empath is in the presence of a bully. Okay, I've been in presence of bullies and I'm going to be really honest about how I feel when I'm around a bullying situation. I feel horrible for the person being bullied and I want to swoop in and save them. And my heart hurts. You know, my heart just hurts. It seems so unjust. Uh, and I'm angry at the bully, but I also will immediately feel and see the wound in the bully. And right. so therefore, I also have, I won't call it compassion, but it's like an understanding that there's a wound there that makes them a bully. And right. so it just, it you have to understand that that's just how you work because some people would just see the bully and be like, what a jerk. 
what an ass, you know, like and, and yeah. never think about it again. They're just a bad person. They pick on people that are smaller than them or whatever or weaker than them. And that's just a horrible thing to do. Now, right. maybe back in the day before I knew myself better, I might try to befriend the bully. I've been known to do that because I want to try to figure out what's going on. And I want this person to be healed, too, you know, because I want everyone to be well and happy. <laughs> and so because this is just, you love people, right? And when you love people and when yep. you lead your heart, that's that's what you want for everyone, not just selected people. And so but knowing myself better and understanding dynamics and how things work now, I know it's probably not the best thing for me to do just to go befriend the bully it's it's just not I don't really know what the yeah. best thing to do in the situation would be but I just want to make a point that you can understand why an empath would often get entangled with a narcissist yeah. because we see initially we see the love bomb initially we see this big personality that just draws us in and see we're passionate dreamers that believe and have these big hearts. And so we so respond to that love bombing because oh we're God, so yeah. full of life, you know, and we just so respond to it. And it's oftentimes hard to to find people that live in that same space as we do. So this narcissist comes along and they pretend to live in that same space when they really don't, right. but they pretend. And so and then and then they reveal the wound as soon as you as soon as you decide as soon as they see that you're slipping away they'll often reveal the wound because they know that's going to keep you around they know that mm -hmm. you're incredibly empathetic that you're going to try to help them and that you're going to try to heal them i mean and you i can't, want that I can't initial exactly. person back yeah can you yeah. imagine how many clinicians have fallen in love with narcissist can you imagine oh my god because you're, you're you're healers, you're someone that wants to help people. So it totally makes sense to me that this would happen. Is it good? No. But point being, educate yourself about who you are. Don't not only yeah. do you educate yourself about narcissism. Do not, do not, do not spend all your time reading articles about narcissism. Yes, it is right. validating. Yes, you will have light bulb moments. Yes, you need to understand and really understand who these people are and understand the truth about them, that they are not who they say they are, even though you might still want to believe it, they're not. But you also have to educate yourself about yourself. Are you oh will gosh, over absolutely. and over? Yes, you will over and over again, you will run into these same types of situations if you don't understand better about who you are and how you respond and 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 your and how feelings you pick exactly your and, and let your, me tell you what else yep. you better you better freaking do the work to discover the things that are really crappy about yourself and yep. learn how to love those things just like you love the great things that you do. I mean, you know, there there's books about staring into the abyss and seeing yourself. I mean, if you don't deal with your own narcissism, if you don't look at it and learn to love yourself past it, to forgive yourself, um, you are not going to get through these. You need that. Uh, it's you need those tools. You need that self awareness. You need that confidence that hey okay 
I mean, I can sit and I, I would just, just send an email today to four really or three really, really close friends. And I talked to you about it too, Melanie, where I won't say what I admitted to, but, you know, I admitted that, yep, this is a very hateful thought I'm having. And I really am glad I'm going to therapy tomorrow so that I can talk about it because <laughs> I know exactly where it comes from. I know where I learned how to be hateful in that way. And, you know, I'm not in shame about it. I'm not embarrassed. I'm re- I'm really not. I'm I'm like, oh, that is something for me to work on. I want to grow past that. I don't want to um, be hateful in that way because I don't. It doesn't help me. It doesn't serve the way I want to live my life and continue living my life. But I don't tell myself what an awful person I am because I found ugliness in myself. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Well, here's the thing. If you don't truly know yourself and truly get to know yourself, you're never going to be able to see who someone else really is. Oh, my God. Thank you. Yes. if If you are in denial about who you are and your flaws, you are never going to be able to see someone else for who they really are. And and that's and where the danger is. And also your goodness. Also the great things about exactly. you. Listen, people, I've lived under, and this is a whole other show when we're getting ready to close, but I lived my entire life up until last year really believing that I was a second-class person. Hmm. I really believed that. That is what scapegoaters believe about themselves. And that was my parents' stuff. Okay, and I know I forgive my parents. Absolutely. They believe they're second class citizens. This is a generational family trauma thing. Okay, long, many years in my family, back decades, probably centuries of this kind of stuff going on. So anyway, where am I going with this? Um, Oh, so this year is the first year, and I've had, you know, in my 40s, I've had moments of this, but they never really last. They weren't really tangible of feeling good about myself because I really just didn't feel like I was allowed um, to think that there's anything good about me. This year is really the first year that I'm like, you know, I am a smart person. I am capable of doing things. I am a loving person. I, you know, I I have these good qualities and they're not connected and enmeshed with anyone else. They're mine. And the reason why I can see that is because I've learned how to love myself. Well, I think the difference is 
you finally embrace those things instead of just always trying to prove them to someone or to other people. So whereas your, you know, the motive before was trying to prove that you weren't a second class citizen. Now you just realize that you aren't. Um, And I mean, that just speaks to how powerful the roles or the, the roles that family members put on you can, can have on you. And it may not even necessarily be who you are. You know, a parent oh, yeah. can tell you your entire life that um, you you're not very outspoken. You're shy. You know, you're and, and you know that's what I heard. You're negative. Exactly, and and it may not be who you are at all. It's just who they assessed you to be, or maybe they're projecting or whatever. But eventually, you you can really learn to act like that. So, I mean, that being Absolutely. said, you're you don't ever have to be what you were told you are, you know, I, I truly believe that when, when we're our most authentic selves is, is where we will be the happiness. Now, there may be a lot of tough things that you'll have to deal with in your life, but if you're authentically being you and you're honoring yourself and, and then you're able to honor others and find other authentic people in, in your life. Um, and you're to, able to see that exactly. the people that aren't authentic and yes. that are wounders, um, not you know, that are also the walking wounded, but ones that really do like to wound, that are petty, that act like yes. divas or dons, that are um, contemptuous, that are pathologically envious. It allows when you do that work to know yourself and to forgive yourself and to um, know you're good and know the things that haven't been good and be and rest in peace about those spaces and keep working on them then you notice these things in other people a lot more quickly and then you disengage a lot more quickly and with more peace you know I don't have these catastrophic you know DEFCON 1 um, exits that I used to have because I see it quicker and I don't get as the ones that come in are, you know, they aren't so bombastic and they aren't malignant typically. Um, and they, I am better equipped to pull myself out of the relationship to a safe place or to a not involved at all um, without a bunch of carnage. Yeah, I mean, that just takes time and practice and takes, again, you know, honoring yourself. And when your feelings do get hurt by these people, honoring it and and holding them accountable. And for people that you just can't hold accountable, then, I mean, I feel like I see where that relationship should go. I mean, the bottom line is, is that when you go to a buffet, right, most people don't get a piece of everything that's there. You have preferences, right? You have preferences. You don't have to eat everything on the buffet. You know, I there are people that I've had friends that have other acquaintances and friends that I just don't care for. I, I mean, I, they're generally yeah. I'm a person that likes most people. I think that's just kind of being an empath. But you everyone's different. You don't have to like everyone. You don't have to want to hang around everyone. I mean, think of, I mean, gosh, that would be such a boring life. You get to choose the type of people that you want to be around. And some people would choose to be around people that are a little bit more uh, sarcastic and really outgoing and maybe a little callous, but you know what? They're driven. 
they may not be a narcissist, but they're driven. And that just may be who, the type of person you want to be around where it may turn someone else, probably an empath. It would turn them off. It, it would just turn them off. Right. So point being, you don't have to be nice to everyone. You don't have to be everyone's friend. You get to pick and choose right. the people that you like to be around. And that changes throughout your lifetime, I think. So I really Absolutely. feel like it's this, you know, misunderstanding, this black and white thinking of, oh, you know, you have to love everyone. Well, yeah, I, I can, you know, love everyone, but I don't I don't have to choose to be friends In with theory. everyone. Exactly. They don't have I, to be I sitting at my dinner table. Exactly. You don't have to, you know, invite them for coffee on Sunday morning. It, it's just we have a choice, folks. We we have a choice of the people that we invite into our lives. And I mean, that's kind of how normal friendships happen. You you get start to get to know someone. It's the same way, I guess, dating happens. You start to get to know someone and then you either find out things that engage you and make you want to be around the person more or you find out things about the people that just don't really gel with you. And either you don't like or just don't interest you. So you move on. And that, yeah, and, and I, you know I, what? Some people yeah, just may not like you. And exactly. Okay exactly. I and am it, not everybody's cup of tea, and that is no, okay. No, and I empaths, or I think a lot of times think they have to be nice and like everyone, and that they're crushed when everyone mm -hmm. doesn't like them. But it's just not reality. It's it's just not reality. It, you know, I I'm kind of disappointed sometimes if someone doesn't like me, but then I'm like, well, okay, do I really like them? Yeah, yeah we really, really don't know. So that's okay. You know, yeah. bye. Good luck on you know your path, and good luck on mine, and peace out. Yeah. Well, I mean, rejection <laughs> is rejection, you know. So that never feels good, but it it's, never sits it's well with anybody. Part of yeah. life. No, no, it it doesn't. But it's definitely a part of our existence for sure. Absolutely. So how do we tie this back into managing your emotions? I know. I feel like, as always, we get away from the topic, but not really. I think I think the biggest point is how do you manage your emotions? Know yourself. Know, yeah. know yourself. Emotions are, are everyone has them. They're there for a reason. We can't be scared of them. We can't let them overwhelm us. We have to acknowledge them. And when you're an empath, you have to face the fact that you're probably going to be notched on up to level 20 when the dial actually stops at level 10 for most people. And you just have to know that about yourself and, and learn how to meditate or do things, practice self-care. That's why it's so important for empaths to have self-care because you are going to have those stronger emotions generally to the world. You know, I mean, everything just is more emotional to you. And really, that's and a gift. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It, it's a gift and learn how to use it as fuel. That's been the biggest thing for me yep. um, is, you know, okay, so I have all this, this reservoir of emotions. That's, that's me. That is how I am made up. Okay. And it doesn't matter whether I'm depressed or not depressed. And in fact, when I'm not depressed, and I'm feeling really, 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 really good, and I'm happy, my emotions are just like, phew. I'm not crying or anything, but I could, and it would be a really good cry. And and I take that, and I feel it into things that I love to do. I turn it into positive activity, positive action, um, which is why, you know, on our network, I do so many shows <laughs> because this is a very 
enriching place for me to disperse some of the emotional energy that I carry around inside of me all the time that I don't feel bad about. I love it. I love it that I'm this way. But I do have to have a high activity of my brain, my emotions, all that stuff in order to keep me regulated. Um, so, and yeah. that's okay. That's totally okay. And I, I want to say this, this, and then Melanie, you close the show. Because um, this, this is something that struck me today, and it struck my a close friend of mine today, too. Something that we learn, especially with covert narcissism, um, you know, high spectrum, low spectrum, it doesn't matter. And I don't mean to say this to be mean, but they are very cowardly people. They do things yeah. and they justify their kind of their backstabbing behavior, their unfriendly behavior, and they become self-righteous and they don't confront things. They run and hide and do stuff behind your back. You know, that's what they do. But the reality is they're more afraid of you than you are of them. So kind of oh like an analogy gosh. about, you know, the bug or the snake or the whatever, the snake, that, you know, is going to bite you. That snake is more afraid of you than you are of them. And so that's something that was good for me to remember because if someone attacks me in a very unfriendly way that I've been very friendly to, um, that I've been very compassionate to, I immediately, you know, I do now because I'm empowered and so on. I immediately get <laughs> pissed and I want to just call them on it. And then if they, you keep doing their thing, I can, um, tend to, you know, obsess about this, whatever, and then I've got to go talk about it, figure out what the heck's going on. And I have to, I can go to fear. What are they going to do? What kind of retribution? What's happening? Did it, and then I, and then I remember, oh, no, 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 no. They are terrified of me because I'm so empowered, because I stand up, because I do confront and say, hey, this is not okay. And I do put up a boundary. And you, so I don't need to be quite so, mm. I also don't need to be okay with their cowardliness, but I, I need to remember, you know, I don't need to be in fear. They're much more afraid than I yes. ever would be. Yes. And I, I mean, I think it's our natural inclination to go there because I think because we've been hurt. Because we've been hurt. And then it's the guilt piece. That's a whole nother show. Oftentimes we feel guilty for standing up for ourselves. Uh, that's another empath yeah. trait, I think, I feel like. And so then that guilt turns into fear of retribution from the other person. And oftentimes we've been rich. You know, there's been a lot of retaliation against us in our lives for speaking up. Because when, yeah, you're a true, yeah. when you're a true whistleblower, then that, you know, that that's basically what can what can happen to you. But and in closing, I, I just, you know, I had this thought and I think I just had a vision of being an empath in a, in a room full of people. And I think that's how we started the show was me talking about being an empath in a room full of 20 or, or 50 people. And um, or maybe that was a narcissist. That was a narcissist being able to pick out the empath. But if you're uh, an empath and you're in a room full of full of people I think oftentimes, energetically, because we do pick up on everyone's emotions and body languages and we notice the little nuances between couples and this, that, and the other, I think mm -hmm. oftentimes it feels suffocating. I think it feels like it's coming in on us, like pressuring into us. And so, yeah. therefore, the room for our emotions becomes this little teeny tiny sliver 
There's like barely oh, yeah. any room. There's barely any room for our own emotions. And so we're so and they they're so stuck in there because everyone else's feelings have just kind of come in on us. And and some of that is a lack of boundaries, but it's because we can't live any differently than having an open heart. Okay? That's who we are. So we have to learn how to have a different boundary so that our own feelings don't get stuck into this deep, deep hole so that when anyone triggers or rattles our feelings, we feel like we're going to explode because it's just been put under pressure for like so long. So you have to learn how to not let other people's feelings take over your body and take over your heart and your mind and your spiritual energy, whatever you want to call it. And you have to maintain room for your own emotions or else they are wow. going to take over you. Uh, they, they just will. And I'm still working on that. Yeah, yeah, I do not. I, I am that I readily. I've still got stuff I need to and probably will the rest of my life um, work diligently work on that. This is no we figure it out and then boom, we're healed. This is like a constant thing that you have to um that oh, you have it's to every work day. On and learn from and engage in yeah oh yeah it's every day I mean I I sometimes I have to stop sometimes and I'm just like Melanie your boundaries are a little too tight girl <laughs> unleash <laughs> a little let people in you know like yourself you know so I have to and I'm not I'm not saying I'm a cold person that's not what I'm saying at all but no, I just God, no. it, it's it's something internally that happens where you know oftentimes I literally just don't have the energy and I don't feel like making energy or room so then I just get into this weird zone that I think you know a lot of empaths probably get into just just to survive in the world but it's it's not easy it's it's no, really it not easy and I think oftentimes empaths sit around and ask themselves why is life so much easier for everyone else and it just sucks <laughs> for me you know what I mean like I think empaths sit around and well because everyone else's life is probably pretty similar to yours but you know, because you are who you are, it seems like it sucks, but it really doesn't. You're actually in a lot better position than some of those other people are, you know, because you yep. have this gift of being uh, sensitive. But you have and to you be protective be of yourself. Of, yeah, and you can be a different kind of empath because I'm the opposite of Melanie. And that's why we're peas and carrots as friends yeah. and coworkers because Melanie is does not get involved with a whole bunch of people her circle your circle is very small and mine is like everybody come on in sit down at the table come on welcome 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 and that serves me well as you know in the job that i do and growing this company and and what have you that's something that serves me very well and it also makes me more available <laughs> to run into people that are not healthy to be around. Yes. So um, yes. I need people like Melanie in my life that <laughs> are very cautious and that I can, and that can say, I can send you an email like I did this morning and say, should I write this? And you're like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I felt the steam coming off of my email when I read it. <laughs> I really did. 
it wasn't too coming Melanie, up for my food. everybody. Just so you know, it wasn't too Melanie. <laughs> no, but no, it thankfully, wasn't. It wasn't you know, too Melanie. <laughs> it was for <laughs> it somebody else. Me. But but you know, yeah, I need that, and that and that's okay. It's not a. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person or that there's something wrong with me that I'm that way. That's just. Does it mean that I need to watch that? You're just uh, different. Well, you're just different. You're just, you're just, you're just different. And you and need people like me to yep. cheerlead you and get you out there and let's go do stuff with the horses and let's because that helps you reach, you know, more empowered places and stuff like that. So it's all a balancing act, and you can be a different kind of an empath. But at the end of the day. That's what you are. Managing yeah. your emotions is key. And like Melanie said, oh, my God, I feel like I learned a thousand things from hearing you tonight. Knowing yourself is key. And, yeah. and that's, that's, a, well, knowing, that's a lifelong journey. And then, and then also knowing your circumstances. Because there was definitely a time in my life where I was a lot more out there and a lot more outgoing. Right. However, I'm keenly aware of what it takes for me as a person and as an empath and as an INFJ to take care of a unruly 17 year old to be a single parent and to have a special needs child. So Absolutely. there's just not much room for that stuff. And, and so I safely choose things that I feel like will be beneficial. Um, but sometimes I just take it too far and you just need a break. But but, you know, you have to, you have to understand where you are in your life, too. You know, if you're at that stage in your life where you're raising your children or have a family or you're taking care of a sick parent, your boundaries then are going to be very different than they are when oh my you're God, just a yes. newlywed or you're in college. I and had me and Michael and my son for years okay yeah. that was it like, yeah that was it that was my circle there was nobody else so yeah you're you're you're, you're so right Melanie it's like you you change how much how wide your circle is depending on where your energy needs to go in your life yeah. and as an empath that's very 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 important it's important for everybody but especially when you're an empath so yeah I didn't mean to say that you I've always been that way, no, but it's no, what no. you need to do right now. Absolutely. You need to have pristine focus with, because you've got two kids and one of them is special needs. And I don't have a husband, although I have Michael and he's whatever. I don't know what he is. I love him. But, <laughs> and I, but I'm single and don't have young kids. And this is the first time in my life that I'm living by myself and it's just me. So I, I don't have anything that I have to reserve that um, emotional space for like I used to. Now I can, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just enjoying like not having to do that and, and navigating those waters, which can feel very unsafe sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you've put in your time. I think a lot of um, mothers and fathers, I mean, I've got neighbors that just, um, and I'll try to wrap up, but I've got neighbors that just became empty nesters. And, you know, it's going to be a huge change for their lives. It is going oh, to be a yeah. huge change. So, you know, those life changes like that, oftentimes people either really thrive or they just become really lost. So, you know, this beautiful thing we call life is, is, is just often uh, hard to navigate, but it can just be so full of of glory and and love. And 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 I can say, 
if you don't take care of yourself as an empath and and get to know yourself, um, you you will lose yourself. I mean, I can I can really yeah, say that you won't get so far away from who you really are. Uh, it will be very difficult for for you to be authentic and and have joy in your life. So I mean, it's just a necessity that you that you do these things, and, or there'll just be chaos, and there'll never be peace. It'll never be peace. And as, and as an empath, you have so much of a greater chance to stop that from happening than a narcissist does. Yes, obviously. You know, Something else for them live. to be jealous of, right? Yeah, they want to. They don't want to know themselves. They are trying to run so far away from themselves. Yes. They don't even know who the hell they are, nope, and no they don't want to know. And um, there, there, there's a lot of shame and, you know, all these things that, that you know, but you um, are the one as an empath that's going to be sitting in a, hopefully a therapist chair and you can get help so much easier than they can. So get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, maybe this will be a two-parter show, but thank you, yeah. Mommy, for doing this tonight and um, we will try to make this a more regular thing, get these back on the schedule as a, as regular shows since they're so popular. And um, thanks everyone for tuning in as always to mental health news radio. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you guys. But never without good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.